Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. All right. Well, Family Feuds make for a great game show. It's one of my favorite game shows on TV. Uh, there's a, the, you do realize that there is a whole genre of TV, of television, devoted to the idea of Family Feuds, right? It's called soap operas, right? It's opera. It's dramatic. There's this constant turmoil and upheaval. But all of that on TV creates ratings. But how many of you know if you, if you live through or endure a Family Feud in real life, it, it produces pain? Right? Have you ever been involved in that? Uh, pain, family feuds cause these lifelong limps and these open wounds. And there are, when people say the wrong words, when they look at you wrong, when they may take an action against you as, as somebody that's close to you. Because when we talk about family, we're not talking just about blood like I'm kin to you. We're talking family in general as well. People that you're close to, that you consider part of your family, church family, extended family. When they do the wrong thing and they say the wrong thing, it can create life life-altering pain, and, and, and you, it's hard to get over. Some of y'all's families are perfect. Okay, and, but the truth is, is that most of our families are not. Uh, that's why in Scripture, we talked about this a little bit last week, you would think in Scripture that every family would be perfect, but it's really hard to find a leave-it-to-beaver-style family in, in Scripture. In fact, it's more like the Hatfield and McCoys. It's constant turmoil from beginning to end, and we began to look at that. And last week, we dealt with the very first family, and we discovered that the, uh, a lot of times our, our original pain, the original pain in most of our lives stems from our families. That's what causes us pain. So let's go a little deeper. Join me in Genesis chapter 21. Genesis chapter 21. We're going to read uh, verses 8 through 14. Hopefully uh, this would be a familiar passage of Scripture. But after some of the answers I just heard, I'm not sure it will be. So uh, um, uh, so maybe I, I won't take that for granted. <laughs> okay. Genesis. Woo, this has been a great series just for that to find out how much you all know about the Bible. Because I'm getting ready to pull out the felt boards and... and uh, some of y'all don't even know. Okay. All right. So uh, Genesis chapter 21, beginning of verse 8. The baby grew and was weaned, and Abraham threw a big party on the day Isaac was weaned. And one day Sarah saw the son that Hagar the Egyptian had born to Abraham, poking fun at her son Isaac. She told Abraham, get rid of this slave woman and her son. No child of this slave is going to share inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter gave great pain to Abraham. After all, Ishmael was his son. But God spoke to Abraham, don't feel badly about the boy and your maid. Do whatever Sarah tells you. How many of you know you can avoid family feuds if you will just do what your wife tells you? Okay, just one, that's, it's scriptural. I just read it. God said, do what Sarah tells you to do, all right? I just solved all your fights at home right there. Oh, that, that didn't cost you all the counseling money that you would have spent otherwise. Just do what she says, all right? Okay, all right. I, I knew it had to be in the Bible somewhere. Do whatever Sarah tells you. Your descendants will come through Isaac. Regarding your maid son, be assured that I'll also develop a great nation from him. He's your son too. 
Abraham got up early the next morning, got some food together and a canteen of water for Hagar or Hagar, and put them on her back and sent her away with the child. She wandered off into the desert of Beersheba. This is a pivotal account in Scripture. This, this account that I read to you right here is one of the most poignant moments in the entirety of Scripture because it leads to a family feud that is still going on today. This is what caused the rift between uh, Israel and, and all the other Muslim or Arab countries right here. There was a divide in the family, a family feud. It's caused all the conflict in the Middle East. It is the genesis of the turmoil that we still live through today, that we witness today. So you know this account, or at least I thought you would, but okay, so I'm going to back up. And, uh, Abraham and Sarah are childless. They receive a word from God. It's not like they dreamed this up. They had a word from God that they would, would conceive and have a child. But like us, many, uh, many of us do this too, they thought they could pull off God's plan for their life better than God could. Oh, this is not going to go well. Okay. Uh, they refused to be patient and wait on the word of the Lord to come to pass. So they take matters into their own hands. And you, you well, uh, they, so what happens is Sarah has, comes up with this scheme, this plan, and she says, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my handmaid into my husband and, and let her bear a child. And she does. She sends Abraham, her handmaid, and she, she conceives and they have a baby. Uh, somebody told us that God is never late. He's always right on time. And if we would just learn to wait and be patient for his word to come to pass, right? But Abraham and Sarah didn't do that. So they, they scheme and they devise this plan. And, and Hagar gets pregnant and gives birth to Ishmael. Then the word of the Lord comes to pass because it always does. How many know the Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie? And every word that comes out of his mouth will come to pass. It doesn't fall to the ground. It will come to fruition. And so time goes by. And sure enough. Sarah gets pregnant, and she gives birth to this little boy that they've waited so long for. Isaac is born. Isaac is their special son. He is the favored son. He is the preferred son. He is the destiny that they've been longing for. He is, he is everything that they've wished for. He is the one that will receive inheritance. He is their dream, all wrapped up in a little package. The problem is, is that this creates a family feud because how many of you know that uh, our own attempts, listen to this statement, our own attempts to fulfill God's promise always become a point of embarrassment and contention when the authentic manifestation of God's promise shows up. Y'all missed that? I, I wrote that down as I was studying and it blew my own mind, so we go. I'm going to say it again. If we're not careful, when we take matters into our own hands, it, our own devices and our own schemes will always become a point of contention or a point of embarrassment when the manifestation of what God promised us comes to pass. And that's exactly what happens, and it creates a family feud. Uh, Sarah's in, I get, well, uh, she's in the kitchen. <laughs> See, I ain't even going to touch that. She's in the kitchen washing dishes, and she's looking out the little window, and she's watching the boys play together, and she watches. It's a big 
celebration. Uh, it, it's a special day. There's there's streamers and party whistles and gl whatever, and ponies and petting zoos. I don't know what they Okay. Uh, and, and she looks out the window, and Ishmael is making fun of Isaac. And the Bible says that the problem was is that Sarah saw it. And she makes a demand on Abraham. And she says, Abraham, this is what you're going to do. If you, want, if you want to have peace, happy wife, happy life. If you want to be happy, what you're going to do is you are going to take Hagar and her son Ishmael and you are going to get rid of them because there is no slave son that is going to ridicule my son of promise and my son of favor. Right? And she sends him away. Uh, Sarah's response teaches us a very important lesson when we're dealing with family feuds. You got to stay with me today. I've got I've got a few things I'm going to say to you that are going to be tough, but I want you to hear me this morning. If we are going to live through relationships, this whole series is about relationships. If you are going to be able to navigate and maneuver your way healthy in a healthy manner through relationships, you got to learn the lesson that. Sarah teaches us because what Sarah's response does is she gives us insight on how we're supposed to respond when family members or friends or people around us resist or ridicule our destiny. What are we supposed to do? What do we do when people we're close to poke fun at what God has said to us and that's our dream? She tells us what to do. She shows us. She teaches us that we have to develop the gift of goodbye. The gift of goodbye. Uh, before we go any further, I want to stop and show you something. I want you to understand that uh, because of the environment we're in, I'll come back to that in a second. I want you to understand that developing this gift is not easy. Abraham, the Bible clearly states that this caused Abraham great pain. Come on, let's think logically. It would. He's soul tied now, number one. And number two, uh, it's his son. And the, I don't want you to get it wrong. I don't want you to get it twisted. Abraham had, uh, had this moment of great pain. He was connected to them. He didn't want to see them hurt. He didn't want to see them go through misery. So he's connected to them. And the Bible says it caused him great pain. I bring that to your attention because I don't want to sit in an environment like this and talk like, like what we're talking about is easy. This is not easy. It would be easy if we were heartless. It would be easy if there weren't emotional ties. It would be easy if we didn't really care about people. But this is not easy. Developing the gift of goodbye is not easy, but it's necessary. It, it, it forces us to ask a question. I, we got to answer some questions this morning. I want to know, if we don't develop the gift of goodbye, then what I want to know uh, is if we, if we refuse to say goodbye to people because we want to avoid pain, is the cost worth it? Is, it, is, the, is a pain-free existence worth the, the destiny that it will cost us if we don't say goodbye? Is, is maintaining an antagonistic, toxic, uh, demeaning, belittling, argumentative, uh, destructive relationship worth what it will cost you in the end if you refuse to say goodbye just because you're connected to somebody? I, I want to say something to you. Uh, that I see out of this passage of Scripture, I believe that what Sarah came to the conclusion 
of that day and what we must come to the conclusion of today is this, is that our destiny is more important than pain. I think what Sarah teaches us is this, is that God gives us a promise and God gives us a destiny and he's committed to bringing that to pass. But we have to be committed to our destiny just as much as God is committed to our destiny. You missed it. In other words, you've got to come to this place in your own life. Uh, we've got to do this. We've got to come into this place in our own life where we are committed to fighting for our promise and our destiny. Some of us have had great promises and prophecies from God about what He's going to bring to pass in our life and we sit around and we won't defend that promise and we won't strive for that promise and we won't contend for that promise and we won't fight for that promise and we keep saying, well, that's what God told me. But God gives us a destiny, but He makes a mandate on our life that we fight for that destiny and we protect that destiny and we do everything within our ability to make sure that we've positioned ourselves so that destiny can come to pass. And so Sarah says, you know what, I've got an obligation to this destiny and I am committed to seeing this promise come to pass. So I am willing to say goodbye even though it will cause pain and it might cause heartache and it might cause a rift. But I am more committed to my destiny than I am to the destruction that this little boy is bringing to my son. And so this morning I want to tell you that I believe that there are three levels or three degrees of goodbye that we must develop in, in regards to relationships because every relationship is different. We've got to know how to say goodbye and the different degrees of goodbye. And as you're interacting with people at work, as you're interacting with people at school, as you're interacting with people in church, as you're interacting with people in your family, in your neighborhood, you have to hone the gift of goodbye and be able to operate at one of these three levels when necessary. The first one is this, you must learn to deal with relationships with moderation. It's the concept of a little dabble, do you? And the old folks know what I'm talking about. All right? It's, it's this idea, see some of y'all too young, y'all are like, what? Uh, it was this cream that you used to use on your hair. What did it do? Did it take the gray away? Yeah, brill cream. It took, did it take the gray away? I don't know. No. Oh, it was mousse. Okay, yeah, <laughs> whatever. The commercial was a little dabble, do you? All right? But that applies in relationships too because some of you have relationships in your life that you need to, to, uh, to, to look at and assess and go, you know what, just a little dab of that relationship will do me. You've got to learn how to operate in this degree of goodbye. I, I can spend a little bit of time with you. I, I, can, I, can, I can still press for and obtain the destiny of God in my life, but I can only spend a little bit of time with them. Okay, some of y'all are look. In other words, you've got to learn to limit the access that they have. You can give them a little bit of time, a little bit of attention. But you can't spend all your time with them because their, their perspective will overtake your perspective and their doubt is contagious and their negativity will wear off on you. And so you can only spend a little bit of time with them and give them a little bit of information. You can't share your whole dream with them because they will laugh at you. They will ridicule you. They may even work against you. And so you may be able to do like one lunch every two months. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's about all I can do. I'll, I'll go eat something with you about every two months, no more than that, because I recognize that if I spend more time with you than that, then I will lose my destiny because of the influence you have in my life. And so I don't have you on speed dial, and I don't vacation with you, and I don't go on road trips with you because I can only deal with you in moderation. Uh, Listen, I am convinced that for most of us, a lot of the feuds that we find ourselves wrapped up in are the direct result of this, simply too much time with the wrong people. Too much time, too much exposure, too much information. We get with them and we just download all of our dream and then they laugh at us or they pull us down and we don't understand why. If you would have learned to operate in the gift of goodbye at the level of moderation and you only went to see them once every six months instead of every six days or every six hours or every six minutes, then you would still be pressing onto your dream but you didn't know how to operate in moderation. There are some relationships that you can only be with a little bit. The second level is an important level because there are some relationships that uh, moderation is not possible. And getting rid of that relationship is not possible. So since those things are not possible, there's a really important second degree of goodbye. And that is this, insulation. Insulation. There are... um, You have to be able to establish positive voices in your life that can to override the other voices that you cannot completely cut off. Let me say it like this. You can't unmom mom. And you can't un un dad dad. And you can't unspouse spouse. Right? So what do I do when I'm surrounded by a relationship that's pulling me down and I can't cut them off? Then you've got to learn to insulate. Oh, man, some of y'all are acting. You're scared. Some of you are just scared because you're sitting next. Never mind. And, and, you know, okay. So, so what does that mean? How do I insulate? It means I don't have to invest my whole self into every caustic conversation that you bring to me. It's not my circus, not my monkeys, right? All right, so I don't have to get involved in that, right? I, I insulate myself. I, 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 I don't expose my dream to you on, on a regular basis, 24 hours, seven days a week. I'm not exposing my dream to you so that you can shoot it down every time. I'm insulating myself. I'm, here's, a, here's a powerful word that we don't like to talk about. I'm, I'm establishing barriers, Barriers. That means, yeah, you're kin to me, but I, I insulate myself to you, from you. So, so when the phone rings, I don't necessarily like pick it up every time. Okay. All right. So what I'm talking about is simply this: I I establish distance between you and my dream, even when I can't distance you from my life. Now, Jesus illustrates this in his dealings with his disciples because when I read in the New Testament about Jesus, when he's choosing his disciples, he picks some good ones. He picks one really bad. He knew it was bad. Everything I can read throughout the New Testament and Jesus dealing with the disciples, especially when it comes down to the end, uh, he, kinda, he already knew what J- Judas was going to do, and he picked him anyway. Okay, 
So, so Jesus knew that, G, that Judas was, a, listen to this, was a relationship that was necessary, but it was also a relationship that required insulation. That's why when you read in the New Testament, I'm getting ready to mess some of you up. That's why when, I, when you read the New Testament, you cannot find one instance where Jesus brought Judas into the inner circle. The inner circle was reserved for Peter, James, and John. Right? So he never, he, he was one of the 12, but he never inserted him into the inner circle of his life. Can I say to you this morning that some of you are enduring and going through the pain of family feuds because you keep treating Judas like John. And when Judas doesn't act like John and destroys your dream and your destiny and de derails your thought process and pulls you down, then you freak out because Judas didn't act like John. Judas is never going to act like John. John because he's not John so you have to insulate yourself and build barriers and the relationship may be necessary in your life but that doesn't mean you cannot build up barriers and insulation that protects you from the influence of that relationship so so Jesus models for us that there has to be a difference between how I treat a Judas and how I treat a John both are necessary but I recognize that here's the difference I put distance between me and Judas and me and Ju and I don't with me and John I let John in some of y'all just simply infuse because you you're letting the wrong people in you got to build insulation then the third one I'm gonna get out of the way because y'all struggling with me this morning because uh, if you if you didn't handle the first two you're not gonna like this one because uh, there's moderation and there's insulation but there's a third degree that Sarah illustrated for us, and that is separation or elimination. Uh, Darius Daniels says it like this, and I want you to hear this statement. This is a powerful statement. He says, not everyone who has affection for you is an asset to you. I'm going to drop the mic on his quote. And, uh, everybody that has an effect, because there are people that have affections for you. They love you, but they're not good for you. Okay. <laughs> Jesus himself told us that there would be times when, you were, when you're entering relationships where you would have to take your shoes off and dust the dust of that relationship off of you because dust is the residual impact of that relationship. There are some of you that have had relationships or presently have a relationship that leave a residue on you. And Jesus says there are moments in your life when you've got to recognize that those relationships are not good for you. They're not healthy for you. They will keep you from your destiny. Dust your feet off and move on down. Move on down the road. Yeah. 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 You got to dust your feet off. Now, now here's the dilemma. Most of us don't know when to eliminate completely. We have no idea. And so, listen, I, I'm not even going to, I'm not even, I can't, I don't have time to touch with this, touch this, but I want to say it so you'll know it's the truth. Some of us eliminate relationships that we should keep and then <laughs> some of us keep relationships we should eliminate so how do we know when to eliminate there's this interesting book called the bible it's a powerful book you ought to pick one up you ought to read it i mean you can get it on your phone because the bible's clear 
it, I, I don't have time to deal with them all. I'm just going to give you five examples of, of times when Scripture says we should eliminate, separate, completely cut off relationships. Maybe this will help you. Maybe it won't help me. Here's the first one. Proverbs chapter 20. This is pretty clear. Stay away from a slanderer. That's elimination. Doesn't say visit on Thanksgiving. Doesn't say just spend Christmas every other year with. It says stay away from. Anybody that's a slanderer talks bad about you. But I'm, I've got thick skin. Doesn't Stay away from a slanderer unless you have thick skin. That's not what it says. It says cut them off. Proverbs chapter 22. Stay away from a man given to anger. Have you ever met one of those people that in every environment, it's everybody else's fault and they're mad at the world? Solomon says, eh, cut them off. Because anger is contagious. Okay, you all going to like those. You're not going to like this. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. After Paul has said, stay away from the unbelievers who are involved in sexual immorality, then he deals with us. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Don't associate with a brother that is immoral, that is jealous, that's an idolater, that's a reviler, a drunkard, or a swindler. In fact, he goes on at the end of that passage and he says this, don't even eat with them. He's not talking about folks out there. He's talking about family. Y'all are hating life. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Very clear. Paul says this. He's telling us who to separate from. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. You can't share your dream with. You can't share your destiny with. Don't be yoked together with unbelievers unless they look really good in jeans. That's not what it says. And we always use that for dating, but that's not all it is. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers unless they're really, really good at math. Or unless they can get me a promotion. Okay. All right. Then he goes on and he says, For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Then in verse 17... Paul says, come out from among them and be ye separate. Cut them off. And then finally, in Titus chapter 3, verses 9 through 11, he says this. Have nothing to do with divisive people. That's what he says. And I want you to notice that none of the things that I've just read to you are instructions on how to deal with people that offend you. Because there is a prescription on what to do if you're offended. We don't do that one either, but, but there is a prescription. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying if people have these traits in their lives, if they fall into one of these categories, then the right level or degree of goodbye is elimination. I separate myself from you. I don't hang out with you. I don't eat with you. I don't watch movies with you. I don't go to anything with you. I'm sorry I unfriend you on Facebook. I don't accept your phone calls. Don't bother me because we cannot be connected. Listen. I am convinced that some of us are 
perpetually wrapped up in feuds simply because we, we refuse to say goodbye to people that we need to separate ourselves from. So, some of us are in, uh, enduring unnecessary pain and we're delaying our own destiny, maybe even forfeiting our own destiny, simply because we would rather have miss all of that just to keep a relationship intact. And the writers of the Scripture says, uh-uh, you've got to learn to say goodbye. In fact, John tells us that we should be very diligent about assessing the relationships in our life. Okay, he says that we've got to be careful about who we're loyal to. Okay, you don't believe me, so I'm going to read it. First John chapter 2, verse 19, he says this. They left us, but they were never really with us. If they had been, they would have stuck out with us, loyal to the end. In leaving, they showed their true colors. They showed they never did belong. Okay. There are some of us that allow our own loyalty to people to cause us to miss what they've shown us by their actions. They, they walk out on us, but we won't walk on. And because of that commitment to that relationship where they were not loyal and they showed us they weren't loyal, we limit ourselves and we delay our own destinies. And John says, listen, if they walked away, they weren't with you anyway. So what does that mean? That means that too many of us allow our fear of loneliness to cause us to refuse to set limitations on people. And the result is, is they limit our destiny. Abraham, this, this blows my mind. Abraham, in this account that I read to you, he went so far as to fund Hagar's exit. He financed it. He not only said goodbye, he paid the money to enable her to go away. Why is it then that so many of us are financing and resourcing people to stay that need to go? Oh, man. In other words, Abraham teaches us that you got to make it happen. That, that, that you need to resource a break. You need to resource time away. You need to invest effort into making sure that the space that, that you create will create a safe place for your destiny and your dream to thrive. You have got to develop the gift of goodbye. And if you have to resource them to get out of your life, get them out of your life. See, I am convinced that you have a mandate to protect, to shield, and to guard your destiny. God gives us the dream. God gives us a promise. God gives us a purpose. God gives us a plan. But he requires us to fight for it. And to assess and to examine the relationships that we allow to attach to our life. Because the enemy uses people. And they connect themselves to our lives. And they suck the dream. And they suck the destiny. And they suck the, the, the promise out of our life. And we won't say goodbye. So I just came to you this morning, and I just wanted to tell some of you that you need to. That's what you need to do. Just take a... can, can, can we go? Can, can we go to lunch every day this week? Can't handle your mouth. Can we do Thanksgiving this year with you? 
No, 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 no. You talk bad about my dream. I shared my dream last Thanksgiving, and you told me I was crazy. So bye. Bye, bye, bye. I don't have time for you. But, but you don't understand. We're blood, and I love you, and I'm affectionate towards you. Bye, bye, bye. I can't spend my because if I spend my time with you, I can't spend my time with God. I wish somebody in the room this week would come up against somebody that, that is pulling and ridiculing their destiny and just look at them and go, they won't have a clue what you're doing. But you, I got folks, I got, I got folks looking at me like, what is wrong with you? I got no. Okay, so you're not a Bieber fan. I understand. In sync, yeah, bye, bye, bye. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um. Google it. I dare you. I've been up in my living room going. Me and Nico have been practicing all week long. I called Nico and said, Nico, I need some of your mad dance moves. Can he can he walked over and he said Yeah, he didn't. I gave him a hard time. Listen, you gotta be willing to stand up. Listen to me. You've got to say goodbye to the genesis of family feuds. Believe the colors they show you. So what I'm asking you to do this week, this week, is I'm asking you to, to honestly examine all of the relationships in your life. There are some of you that this week you will need to uh, come to grips with the fact that you're going to have to deal with some of the relationships in your life with moderation. You're going to have to quit spending so much time. If you don't, you will be the same six years from now that you are today and no closer to the promise that God has planned for your life simply because you spent too much time with that person. Kim, come on. Uh, some of you need to examine relationships in your life this week and go, you know what, moderation, I can't moderate. They're around me all the time. They're, they're in my house. They're in my cubicle. They're, 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 they're my partner where I've got, I don't have the right to cut them. Okay, then you've got to insulate. Headphones are great. Insulate. Build barriers. When they spew all that negativity on you, have somebody on speed dial that believes in your dream and believes in your purpose and believes in your destiny and call them and say, can you at least affirm the fact that I'm still called and that God still loves me and he does have a good plan for me because I've been dealing with this this idiot all week long and they've talked all about my dream and told me how stupid I am. And I need a good voice to say, hey, I believe in you. You can do this. you got to insulate. But some of you need to go home and really come to grips with the fact that there, there are relationships in your life that you're going to have to separate from. And don't, don't get it twisted. This is hard. The Bible says it created great pain in Abraham. This will be the most difficult decision you may ever make. But your destiny is worth it. We're living to this day with the pain of the separation that took place in this account but it's worth it they had to do it and I'm asking you to man up or woman up and cut some folks off that need
love me. But are they an asset? Because you call some people assets that aren't assets. Like, like uh, if they walked out of your life right now, what would you really lose? I mean, they bummed off you all their whole little life anyway, and they like spent all your paycheck when and they emotionally deplete you. They leave you in tears. But they love me. But what did you really lose? And what is there to gain if you would just cut them off and walk into the plan? Because listen, I want to tell you something this morning, and then I'm going to be quiet. Listen, God's God, and He's all-powerful, but He works in cooperation with us and there are plans and thoughts and dreams and all this stuff that he has out here for you that he will put on hold until you get the right people out of your life and the right people into your life. Because he knows if he allows you to get the plan and the promise with the wrong people in your life, they will spoil it. got to learn to develop the gift of goodbye. Father, this morning, this is a hard lesson to learn. I'm praying right now, Father, in this moment, I pray that you would help each of us to honestly examine every relationship in our life. This is because this is what I know, Father. I know that every person under the sound of my voice, you have a plan for. You have a destiny prescribed for them. We know that because your word tells us that you have plans to prosper us and not to harm us. So there's a dream there. God, I'm asking that you would help us this morning to figure out which relationships we need to moderate, those that can only be dealt with in little dabs, short moments. pray you'd help us to close our mouth when we need to close our mouth and we won't share everything. God, I pray for those that are dealing with relationships today that they cannot cut off. I pray that you would help them to learn how to insulate that you would send somebody into their life that becomes a, a sound barrier to, to the negative voices of the other relationship. I pray that you would send somebody into our life that can consistently and constantly speak life into us. The power of life and death is in our tongue. God, send us somebody that knows how to speak life into us and help us to insulate ourselves against the negative voices that would destroy us. God, if there's anyone in this room that after honestly evaluating relationships must come to the conclusion that an elimination and a separation it has to take place and Father somehow this morning I pray that you would give them the guts and the strength to do so even though I know it will be painful God I pray that we would become more committed to our destiny than we are to avoiding pain help us to Strive for all that you have for us and get rid of every relationship as painful as it may be. 
to get to that destiny. Father, I pray over my folks today that what you would do in this family is that you would teach us how to develop the gift of goodbye so that this family can walk into the inheritance and the promises that you have for us. Help us to cut and remove and separate from those that would keep us from fulfilling the dream that you have for us. We ask you to do that by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you do this with me? Would you just do this? Come on. I don't know how that became by, but that's how they do it on the video. This week, would you just start developing that a little bit? Come on, do it again. I want you to get your... Okay. Anybody want to do the jump with me? Yeah, just do that. Bounce three. Just bounce three times and do it. One, two, three. Okay. Y'all ain't got no rhythm. All right. Uh, Danny, if you'll come. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.